Right, so what's our plan? Shall we just do a lap? Yeah. Yeah. We can go super slow on the on the climb. Um, I'm on a cross-country race bike and Patrick's on a borrowed bike, so we'll just go super slow. And then it might be, because the road's open, it might be that the traffic noise is too much. Um, okay. So we'll we'll just we'll ride up, and if it is, then we can lock bikes up well, at St I'll, Mary's Lock. I'll just follow your lead and uh, All right. yeah, cool. go where I'm told. <laughs> okay, this way. <laughs> Do you remember when we were kids and it was just second nature to run around just because we loved running around? What happened? When did we all become too busy to do the things that used to make us feel so happy? And how come it now feels so hard to tear ourselves away from a computer screen or from behind a car steering wheel to prioritise the most natural thing in the world, moving our bodies? I'm Lee Craigie. And I want to see if I can find a way back to that joy of moving. Not because we should exercise, but because we want to. In this series of Moving Conversations with Scottish Ministers, I'm going to explore the motivations, benefits and barriers the people running our country feel they face in being everyday active. I want to hear stories from their active childhoods about how their levels of physical activity might have changed over time. We all have the same beating heart and we all need to take care of it. But how easy is it for us to be everyday active? I'm used to something with very, very, very simple gears and one gear shifter and this has got four. So uh, it took me a while okay. to get used to it. Right. Um, it's lighter as well than my, uh, my, my late bike. Your late bike? <laughs> Did it have a name? Not an individual name. It's a, it was a Pashley Power Bike, oh, uh, if you know right. them. Yeah, I do know Pashley, yeah. Uh, nice so bike. Lovely. Uh, kind of kind of pretty Let's bike. And, uh, that one's a bit utilitarian by... I've actually ridden one of the originals, that, the, the Second World War ones, that oh, they're based really? on. Oh, cool. uh, which oh, are uh, lighter, but they're folders. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, there was a, a guy with a little collection of vintage bikes and I got to ride one just around a room inside. Okay. Uh, also got to go on his penny farthing, which oh, is incredibly difficult. Now, those are fun. <laughs> How did you manage getting up and down off Not it? Not at all well. <laughs> and today I'm being active with Patrick Harvey, Minister for Zero Carbon Buildings, Active Travel and Tenants' Rights. So, uh, has this always been your preferred mode of travel has it been something lifelong for you yeah it has actually yeah when i was really little i used i had a little red bmx that i uh -huh. called uh, kit and i was michael from knight rider <laughs> and the pair of us would um go out just exploring the local neighborhood i'd be gone for hours how about you yeah i mean i had a, a bike when i was uh, a teenager but i mean i was um I was kind of uh, allergic to physical activity when I was a kid. Oh, really? And I think I really couldn't quite state how strongly PE at school put me off any kind of physical exercise. And I really hope that the culture of it has changed now and, and less kind of toxic masculinity and, and all of that kind of stuff. Uh -huh. um, 
Yeah, and it was also a pretty homophobic environment at the time as well. And uh -huh. I really hope that things are changing there too. Yeah. Are we cutting up this yeah, way? Yeah, we'll go up that way. We'll just stop and let this traffic pass. I know what you mean about PE. So I come from a family of PE teachers. Mm -hmm. um, and I used to write my own notes to get out of it. Uh -huh. And the reason for that was just, it was it just, you know, as a young woman, your body changes and you uh -huh. don't feel comfortable in your own skin and everyone's looking at you. Yeah. And it's just, it's an awkward time and it's quite a personal time. Mm -hmm. And then young women are forced into well, performing in clothes that they don't feel comfortable in. And I think if someone had just asked, well, what, what do you want? Like, I loved yeah. moving around. I was always uh -huh. a very physical kid, but being in a classroom with other girls, just, it just felt wrong. It felt right. really uncomfortable. It was only much, much later in life that I started to actually do exercise in any way deliberately, you know. Oh, right. Um, and why do you do it now? Um, I mean, I cycle because it's so much fun. Mm. It's, it's the most enjoyable way to get about a city. And it's often the fastest as well. Yeah. Um, I quite often find, you know, with meetings that... I'm the one who's on time, and it's the people who've had to park a car who are late, you yeah, know, yeah. getting into a meeting. But it's also just really convenient. Even even in Glasgow, where we have a lot of work to do still to to make it safer everywhere, uh -huh. uh, it's still it's still the most enjoyable way to get about a city, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, I took up running uh, maybe ten years ago, and I had to quit that two or three years ago because. Well, my GP and my physio disagree about whether I've got arthritis or not, but I, I've got something that was making it painful, and uh -huh. uh, so. And it's just not enjoyable. If it's if it's sore, then it's not enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why did you take up running? I mean, I was kind of aware that I was I was doing a little bit of exercise in the flat, but nothing very aerobic. You know, nothing very either good for the heart or good for kind of keeping off a bit of weight which was starting to become a problem uh -huh. so I yes took that up and I was getting to the point where I was doing a few half marathons and stuff uh, which is wow. quite enough for me I was never <laughs> going to go further than that but um, that's pretty far my, my mother still runs she's just turned 80 um, wow no way she took up running when she turned 60 uh, I mean she was always reasonably active with things like gardening but she um, took up running uh, at 60 and by the time she turned 70 she decided to celebrate her 70th birthday she would do seven 10k runs during the year oh wow and she finished that year having done 10 of them and a half marathon <laughs> <laughs> i see so that's the act that you have to follow <laughs> and did she take up running for health reasons yeah i think so i think she maybe uh maybe underestimated how healthy she already was but uh, you know she clearly wanted to be more active mm -hmm. uh, in that kind of thing I'll just hang back so we can single file a bit yeah cool. yeah we'll get off this busy road and uh -huh. go up the hill yeah yeah when I went away to uni in Manchester uh, I had a bike because obviously cheap ways to get about are yeah, really yeah. important uh, and again, you know, it was really, really busy roads. It uh -huh. wasn't uh, what you would call a, a safe, active travel yeah. environment, really. Yeah. Um, 
We're going as fast as we can. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> I had a bike, uh, you know, when I was a teenager before I, before I left for uni, uh, and I would use it a bit. Uh, I don't, I don't think I so much remember sort of deliberately going out for a ride on my bike, you know, but to get from one side of the town to the other, you know, that would be what I did. Uh -huh. Or to go to the shops or whatever. Uh -huh. um, for, for that freedom. Yeah, but, you know, we've, we've now got, you know, we're going to have the, the chance to, to see the, the free bike scheme uh, rolled out, but we've also got free public transport for young people coming in, and I see both of those as being, you know, making sustainable transport choices more normal, yeah. but also giving young people who otherwise wouldn't have the, the autonomy and the self-control about where they go and when, making sure that they've, they've got that. You yeah. know? And is there another part to it as giving people, young people and people that work very high stress jobs, um, time compressed jobs, is it about giving them permission and space as well? Is there something in there about, yeah, it might take you a little bit longer to walk instead of get driven, but this is, we value this and so you get given the time? Yeah. I'm wondering about that in terms of like how we structure our school timetables and how your t like what's your timetable like? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah. I mean, being an MSP is is fairly busy already, and then I've taken on this this role as a minister on top of that, and discovered how how packed a diary can become when <laughs> when the, Did it come the, as a the private office start filling up. Uh, not a huge surprise to be honest, but it's it's still quite a lot to take in and, yeah. and get used to. But uh, yeah, as I was saying. Uh, last week, I got to uh, go along for the opening of uh, a bit of bike infrastructure at Bowling, yeah. uh, so that the the main uh, Glasgow to Loch Lomond uh, bike lane doesn't have to cross a busy road at that point. Yeah, that's great. And it's uh, you know it's a it's a social and economic development as well as the the active travel line. Uh huh. Uh, but I, I went there by bike, and that. It actually only took maybe 15, 20 minutes longer than it would have done to go by train. Yeah. Um, but you, you weren't you, expected to turn up by bike. I wasn't really expected to turn up by bike, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was the way to go. You know. Yeah. And did people do like a bit of a double take, and then were you able to explain? Well, actually, I, I did it for these reasons. Or. I mean, I didn't particularly want to make a big deal of it because it wasn't a big deal for me. It would it would have been the way I would go normally. You know, if I wasn't there for that reason, I yeah. wasn't trying to, you know, I didn't want it to come across that we're doing it for sure or anything. But, but yeah, I, I do think having having ministers and, you know, other people, you know, cycling in a suit is, I think, really important. Mm. I think that's um, the idea that it's a normal thing that you can do in your work clothes and you don't have to, you know, batter along as fast as you can and yeah. end up all sweaty. You can do it at a leisurely pace and not break a sweat yeah. and still be ready to for, for work in your work clothes yeah. is a perfectly decent thing, you know. And if you if, if you look at the, the countries and cities that, that get this right, that's normal. Uh -huh. That's every day uh -huh. for, for so many different people in different walks of life. Yeah, yeah. It's really liberating to know, isn't it, that um, you don't need to put on special clothes. You don't need to do anything yeah. special, really. It's 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 a time saver. It's a yeah. liberator. It's, it shouldn't be the other way around. Yeah. But.
One of the favourite tweets that I saw myself tagged in was uh, somebody, I don't know who it was, just saw Patrick Harvey cycling down Hollywood Road wearing a three-piece suit, looking like some kind of Scandinavian prime minister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the look I was going for. <laughs> Is that what's next? Prime Minister for Scandinavia. <laughs> well, you it's know, a if, very fine suit, can... by the way. Thank you very much. Is it wool? Uh, I'm it, honestly not sure. You do look, you d- look dashing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, it's uh, if we can take a leaf out of out of the the book from from some of the the cities that have got this right, where you see multi-story bike parks next to stations, mm. uh, and you don't see cities clogged up with giant metal boxes, mm. or at least not as many of them. Yeah. Um, I think I think we'll be we'll be doing something that will you know make people healthier i think a lot of people will be surprised at how much happier it makes them yeah uh it'll reduce our emissions obviously and you know even just the the local air quality even mm. aside from uh from what we're doing to the climate you know our cities are you know, glasgow in particular are clogged up with with toxic air mm-hmm. and none of us should be happy about no. that you know even if you do rely on a car and some people always will for lots of different reasons. No one's talking about abolishing the car. No. But if there are a lot fewer of them, and there can be a lot fewer and of them. And they're not the used road. for the short journeys. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, different types of, of active travel are, are you know important to recognise as well, because you know, not everybody's lucky enough to be able to just hop on a bike and go where they want. You know, different types of bikes, you know, disabled accessibility, you yeah. know, we, we can build all of that in yeah. and probably by taking up less space than we give to, to the cars at the moment. Absolutely. And, you know, the liberation of walking and running, forget about the bike for a moment or, or wheeling, you know, when you're just when you're just moving out of the door yeah. the, the way that your body is intended, that's the most liberating way to get around. Sure. Uh, you know, yeah. for, for everyone can everyone can do yeah. it. But we need to demonstrate, I think, the respect that we've got for that in, in the way that we spend money and, mm. you know, what we're doing on active travel is going to be really important for that, but you know, even just pavements, you know, we, we pour huge amounts of money into, into big road building projects, mm. but we, we let our pavements I fall know. into appalling disrepair. Yeah. And that's what most people rely on, even if they do drive yeah. sometimes, they're also going to use the pavements, yeah, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And that should be an environment that feels nice and feels mm. like it's looked after so that we feel looked after. And do you think that if our environments are built that way, then there will be less little boys and girls who make the distinction between physical activity and sport because you just you just move more and just moving more is is it's just becomes a natural way of being i think so yeah i hope so um you know you you, you, we're always going to be surprised at how culture changes in Mm. in unexpected ways um but I, i i would like to hope that that you know breaking down that that sense of you know the idea that there are times and places to be physically active mm. and there are other times and places that that's just not supposed to happen. Uh-huh. You know, that it would be lovely to do away with that. Yeah, you know? yeah, agreed. And then it just becomes it just becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. We have been thinking loads about this in relation to, to COP actually, just in how we're so hooked on the idea of growth and progress and more and innovation which is like maybe we just need to wind it right back you know maybe we've got all the innovation that we need we just need to slow down and get in touch with the important stuff and remember what it means to be a human being and as soon as we do that then we're connecting to nature we're connecting to our bodies we're connecting to the important stuff and the rest will follow um 
but it's that's a huge cultural shift, I think, in our thinking, isn't it? It's. I think it's a huge cultural shift for politicians and for economists mm. and for and for business sometimes. But I th I think most people get the idea of enough mm -hmm. and understand what enough is sometimes. Mm. Uh, the quite a number of years ago, I took part in. Um, uh, this, this project called the Humankind Index, Oxfam Scotland and the Fraser of Aranda and STUC and various other organisations were involved. And it's, it's about the kind of, what to me is a kind of core green question about alternatives to economic growth. How do you measure whether an economy is, is working well for people mm. rather than just, is it growing? Mm. And instead of just starting with the academic exercise, it started with uh, a set of questions about what do you need to live well in your community and took those questions out to, to communities around Scotland and trying particularly to find marginalised groups of mm. people who are furthest away from power, economic power, political power. Uh, and yeah, for, for a lot of people, having enough money, having material needs met was, was quite high up because mm. a lot of them didn't have their material needs met. Mm. But they were not aspiring to football player salaries mm. uh, and you know super yachts. Mm -hmm they were aspiring to have enough. Mm -hmm. And once they had enough, the next stuff they wanted was, you know, time to spend yeah. with their families and, yeah. you know, spaces that were nice to be in. Yeah. And yeah, and we get caught up in the idea, well, everyone else is wanting more, and so I need to keep up with yeah. that. But that that study that you're talking about, um, I did a thing with the Common Good Foundation, mm -hmm. where, where that it just gets blown out of the water. Actually, people are far more drawn to the social values, aren't they, yeah. and, the, and move away from the selfish one. And it's a bit of a conspiracy that we make up in our own heads that everybody wants to grow, everyone wants more. Yeah. If we could and just knock it those, on the head. Those values are there even despite the fact that we're bombarding ourselves with adverts telling you consume, <laughs> consume, consume, you know. So yeah. I think... Sometimes I take heart from the fact that that kind of relentless consumerist values, they ha you know, it, it's had an effect, but it hasn't really reshaped human nature in no. the way that, you know, that is a, the, that the is a really nice buccaneer capitalist might want. You know? <laughs> I, I'm so grateful to be reminded of that, actually, because I do lose heart sometimes. <laughs> and then, but to, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's not reshaped us as, a, as, a, as human beings. Well, COVID showed us that, didn't it? I'm realising that we're totally straying. I'm going to ask a very specific question mm -hmm. of Patrick. Can you describe to us your school run? Like, how did you get to school when you were a kid? I walked, um, you know, when I was uh, at primary school. Uh, it was probably about a 15-minute a walk. And then later on, when we moved, um, uh, my, my secondary school was, was about five minutes walk uh, away from where we lived. So uh, I would even walk home at lunchtime to to have my lunch uh -huh. rather than staying at school because it was so close. Uh -huh. uh, and yeah, obviously that's that's not the case for everybody. But, you know, even if you're thinking five or ten minutes on a bike, you can get a pretty decent distance in five or ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if we make those those routes safe, uh -huh. uh, I think so many more people would be able to, to do the school run with, with under their own steam, mm. you know? Was your school run safe? Was it, was it a quietish road or...? Uh, no, it was fairly busy road actually uh, from from uh, my secondary school and without a pavement uh, on on the one side and that was that was the side I stayed on because that All was right. the side that the house and the school were both on so uh -huh. I didn't even bother crossing the road so yeah uh, not not the not the best road mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah it was it was doable uh -huh. it was doable and did you explore in your free time 
Did you ever go off route or did you take the long way home or did you uh, cuddle about in rivers? Or? Not really to or from school, but at the weekends and other times, yeah, it would, um, you know, sometimes um, at the, the back of Dumbarton there's um, some hills and sort of walking routes that mm. I would go to. Uh, sometimes I would walk the dog around the golf course or whatever, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I suppose when, when I was much weir, yeah, I would I would go out and, and play a bit, but I think I think by the time secondary school came along, I was, uh, yeah, like a like a lot of um, closeted boys, if I can mm. <laughs> be blunt about it. Uh, it wasn't a particularly happy yeah. uh, experience, and I wasn't very social at uh-huh. that point. Yeah, yeah, you're just surviving. Kinda, or or just you know, waiting to get out. <laughs> <you know? laughs> to get away. Uh-huh. Yeah, your story is a very similar one to mine. <laughs> yeah, just, just biding time. Yeah, I used to escape from school and, and actually explore. I used to use my bike to get away from school and used to ride in the mm-hmm. campsite files just to, it was my, my sense of who I was and I could sort of reassert who I was mm-hmm. by being physical and away yeah. from school. What was, what was, how did you assert your sense of who you were away from school? Uh, probably, I think probably more in my own head, oh, you know, right. just kind of, yeah. Retreating into <laughs> imagination yeah. or yeah, what have yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I th- think the, the, the thing about, uh, you know, the kind of LGBT uh, issues and, and sort of what was a really, really overtly homophobic uh, environment, a really homophobic time as well uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s. Uh, I, you know, it's incredible to see some of that change. And Sorry. Um, no, not at all. The, I- the idea that you could have an LGBT youth group in a school oh. uh, would have been inconceivable to me. Yeah. And to see that happening now. Yeah. For us growing up in the time that we grew up, facing the pr- sort of prejudice that, yeah. that we had to face, I am so, so grateful that no kids need to go through that now. It's it's not perfect, but it's getting it's getting a lot closer, yeah. you know, to where we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, do you ever go back to your school? Yeah, um, in fact, I've, I've been back a couple of times um, to do stuff as, a, as an MSP, you oh know. Yeah. It's nice being able to do that as a, as a politician and, and you, you're always a little bit realistic about how you're perceived, you know, it's a, some guy who's coming in as a politician or whatever. So, mm. um, but I'd never quite shaken the feeling of it's a school and yeah. that's the experience I had at school. Yeah, and it's walking through the doors, it's still it not a wholly comfortable thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's really it's really reassuring to know that we're we're heading in the right direction on the social stuff and hopefully on the the, the stuff we were talking about earlier about physical activity yeah. and why that doesn't need to be associated with mm-hmm. uh, kind of just sport or just kind of the, the the kind of narrow definition of what PE was. And, yeah, you know. Yeah. Let's get away from that <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> I mean, don't tell my mum my sister said it, but to be fair, one's now a movement therapist and the other works in a special school. Mm-hmm. And I went the other way and went down the therapeutic route with outdoor education because it felt like there was some that physicality is really important, but sport gets in the way. Mm-hmm. I think competition gets often gets in the way. There's a place for it, but yeah. I think it excludes more than it includes, especially when we're talking about elite sport. And this is someone that was an elite athlete. I think it's a it's a really destructive thing, um, but opens up yeah. the doors to so much other stuff like yeah. adventure and. S- I think if people can find their way to that, 
and, and enjoy it and have fun with it, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's the idea that that's the place you're supposed to go. And yeah. that if you can't reach that, you're, you're somehow falling short of a, yeah. of a measure, you know? Yeah. That's yeah. what we can do without it. Yeah, I totally agree <laughs> with you there. Yeah, let's get rid of the, the judgments and throw the doors wide open for anybody, whatever capacity. Yeah. Do you need to put well, your bike back? Well, if I can you... start a little bit of gentle running again, yeah. maybe in the new year, uh, that'll be fine. But. It's not something critical, really. Okay. So long as I can keep doing this and... Uh, yeah. As long as you can still be mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, me too. A lot. Yeah. And we have arrived safely back at Parliament, so that's also a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to let you go back to work now, do I? Well, I, I'm afraid so. Oh, that's um, a shame. <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk again soon, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, what's our next meeting going to be? On foot, by bike, <laughs> cartwheeling, hopping? <laughs> we'll work it out.